Hi, y'all. This is Julie Coley with Murders in History in Texas. This is the January um, podcast, and the story I'm going to read today is one of the worst stories that I wrote. And it's stories like this in my um, fourth book that put me on pause for uh, several years because they were just so horrible that I just couldn't write anymore. And this one is Julissa Quezada and John and Mary, Mary Rubio. This happened March 11th, 2003, and it's in my book, Murders in Texas, 1954 to 2011, or How Did They Die, Murders in Texas. Huffing paint is the act of spraying aerosol paint into a paper bag, putting the bag over your nose and inhaling it. The effects of huffing paint can be hallucinations and delusions and can lead to brain cell damage, which could cause memory loss and the ability to problem solve. John Rubio met his common-law wife, Angela Camacho, in 2000. They were living in the same apartment complex in Brownsville, Texas. Rubio used to huff paint with Angela's former boyfriend. He witnessed Camacho getting abused by her boyfriend. They became involved, and Camacho moved in with Rubio. Camacho brought her daughter, Julissa, with her. She was pregnant at the time, and when the baby was born, Juan and Angela named him Juan after Juan Rubio. I'm going to try to call him Juan and not John and gave her boyfriend's last name of Rubio. Shortly after Juan's birthday, Angela got pregnant again, and the couple named their daughter Mary. Juan Rubio held a lot of low-paying jobs, had a hard time keeping a job, and lived on and off with friends on the streets, and eventually moved into an apartment with his mother. Child Protective Services actually took their children away for a few months when they found out that Rubio had been huffing paint in front of them. He adored his children, and he got a job at Golden Corral, quit huffing, passed drug tests, and was able to get the children back. He lost his job at Golden Corral, and in order to pay the rent and bills, he did odd jobs and prostituted himself, something he said was his mother's idea. A series of events stressed Rubio out. He didn't have enough money to pay the March 2000 rent. He had $175 in his wallet, which was stolen from his house. He asked his brother if his family could move in with him, but the brother refused. He asked his brother's girlfriend if she would loan him some money, and she refused. The children's food stamps were cut off due to a problem with the paperwork. He came to the decision that he had no choice but to take the family to a homeless shelter on March 10th, 2003. For some reason, they didn't go to the shelter. The next day, on the evening of March 11th, Officer Cervantes was flagged down by a couple in the 1200 block of East Monroe 
who later identified as Juan Rubio's brother, Jose Luis Rubio, and his girlfriend, Maria Elena Alvarez. Maria walked up to the officer's patrol car and said in Spanish, The babies are dead. Earlier, the couple had gone to visit Juan Rubio and had gone into the house. Jose noticed a table out in the hallway blocking the bedroom doors. He asked his brother what happened, then went into the bedroom and discovered all three of the babies dead. Jose told the officer, they have no heads. Officer Cervantes said the couple where the babies were, asked where the, the couple where the babies were, and they said over by the Boys and Girls Club. The couple got backs into the back seat of the patrol car and they drove to the apartment located at 8th and Tyler. Jose Rubio took the officers to an apartment and knocked on the door. Juan Rubio opened the door. He invited the officer into the apartment and as he stepped back he said the kids. Cervantes entered the apartment and Rubio sat down to his next to his girlfriend. <clears throat> the officer called for backup. Rubio told him the children were in the bedroom. He cautiously made his way down the hallway. He peered into the bedroom and he saw a bed and a crib. On the bed lay an infant child. He also observed that the child didn't have a head. He backed out of the room so that he didn't disturb any evidence, and he went back into the living room. He asked R Rubio what happened. Rubio let out a big sigh, stood up, and told the officer to arrest him. Two other officers arrived at the scene. Officer Cervantes advised everyone at the apartment to go outside and asked one of the other officers to handcuff Rubio. <clears throat> When the detectives arrived at the crime scene, they went room to room to look for evidence. The first room had water jugs on the floor and a bottle of bleach. It also had an empty hamster cage on the floor. The second room revealed clothing scattered about the wall and walls that were dirty. Nothing of importance was found in that room. As they made their way down a narrow hallway to search the third room, they came to a table that was sitting at an angle and blocking the hallway. On the table was a large kitchen knife with what appeared to be blood on it. There was also a drop of blood on the table. There was a scrub sponge and duct tape, and on the ground by the bedroom door was a bloody plastic grocery sack. Inside the sack was what appeared to be an infant's head. As they walked into the room, the mattress partially blocked the door, which wouldn't open all the way. The bed had no sheets on it, and lying on the bed was the nude body of an infant male. His head had been decapitated. His feet were filthy and had excrement on them. They also noticed that there were several stab wounds to the boy's chest. Blood stains were seen on the floor at the foot of the bed. 
Next to the bed that held the decapitated body of an infant boy was a white crib. Between the crib and the wall was a large trash bag. Inside the bag were the decapitated bodies of an infant female and a three-year-old female. As they proceeded through the kitchen and out the back door, they discovered that the door had been nailed shut. The bodies were removed from the scene at about 3.30 a.m. and turned over to the Delta Funeral Home and then taken to the morgue. Juan Rubio and his girlfriend Angela Camacho were taken to the police station to be questioned. When Juan Rubio was given his Miranda rights in the interview room, he put his hand down on the table and said, I killed the kids. What else do you need? Juan Rubio then gave his confession. He said that his three children were acting as if they were possessed. He claimed that Julissa picked up a pair of scissors and was about to insert the tip into an electrical plug. She then started talking in his grandmother's voice. She started laughing at him with an evil laugh and started growling at him. Then he said all three children started talking to each other in some foreign tongue, and he thought they were all three witches. Rubio's wife, Angela, told him to kill the children because they were evil. She then went to the kitchen and got various knives. Rubio picked up Julissa, and she was still talking like his grandmother and growling and was squirming around. He tried to pour spring water on her, and she just started shaking. He set her on the ground. Angela held her face down while Rubio started stabbing her in the neck and back. At that point, Rubio thought she was dead, but she stood back up and told her mom to tell her dad to stop. He then grabbed the machete and cut her head off. He then went to Mary Jane next. He grabbed her by the neck and started choking her, but she wouldn't die. He stabbed her in the back of the head, and she was still trying to get up. He grabbed the knife to cut off her head because he said the witches took the machete. The knife wouldn't cut all the way through, so he literally ripped her head off. Little John was still growling, he said. Juan, little Juan, was still growling. He didn't stab him at all. He picked up a larger kitchen knife and just cut his head off. Blood from little John was dripping all over the carpet. He decided that killing the children was better than letting the devil live inside them. They then began to clean up the mess with strong cleaners. The autopsy was conducted for two of the children on the afternoon of March 12th, and it revealed the injuries to the children. The body of infant 14-month-old Juan showed stab wounds to his left chest area. He'd been stabbed in the upper neck. The skin of the neck appeared jagged, as if it had been cut with a sawing motion. There were internal injuries to his esophagus, aorta, and the left lung. He also had broken ribs on the right side. His severed head had stab wounds to the chin area and to the side and back of his head. He also had bruising around his mouth and lips caused by someone holding the baby down with force. Next was the autopsy of two-month-old Mary Jane. Her diaper was soaked in blood. 
She had numerous stab wounds to her back, neck, and upper chest. She had numerous internal injuries from the stab wounds. Her head was examined and she was found to have petechia hemorrhaging on her face. There were several stab wounds around her chin. The next day, the autopsy was performed on three-year-old Julissa. There were at least 25 stab wounds to her chest. There were six stab wounds to her face, and there was blunt force trauma to her face, possibly while covering her mouth during the murder. After the detectives received the autopsy result, they went to interview Rubio again. They wanted him to describe how he killed the children, because the wounds were much worse than he had previously described. Using a sexual assault doll, they asked him to demonstrate how he killed the children. He held the doll by the head and described how he killed them. During his confession, Rubio remained calm and while telling the details of the murders. He never once showed any remorse or even any emotion of any kind for what he had done. The funeral for the children was held on March 17th. The chapel of the funeral home was lined with children's toys. There were just as many children as the funeral home had adults. Children nearby in a, from a nearby Pentecostal church sang in choir in honor of the murdered children. Those children asked what happened. Daniel Hernandez, who brought the children to the funeral, had a hard time explaining to them that their mommy and daddy hurt them and they were now asleep with Jesus. The family insisted that the funeral be open casket memorial so that the public could see the children. Although it was a very difficult for the funeral home and it took many hours to accomplish, the baby's bodies were prepared for viewing. Everyone who attended the funeral said they looked like porcelain angels. At the cemetery, John Rubio's mother, Juan Rubio, sorry guys, Hilda Barrientes, released a dove into the air for Mary Jane. Angela Camacho's mother released a dove for little John. And Myra Gonzalez, an aunt of Julissa's, released a dove in her honor. During Ruby's, Rubio's trial in November 2003, his mother, Hilda Barrientes, told of Ruby's, Rubio's horrible childhood. Yeah, so let's blame it on his childhood, right? His father was an alcoholic and was abusive to her and her son. She had been a prostitute for a while to make ends meet. She had groomed her son to be a prostitute too, with men and older women. She encouraged him to do it so he could pay the bills. She would also buy him marijuana because he didn't know where to buy it. She knew that he was huffing paint. She said his troubles began when Rubio and another son, Rodrigo Barrientes, moved into the grandmother's house. They were devout Catholics, but they discovered bizarre items in the grandmother's closet. They discovered a hidden altar that was decorated with candles that had images not common in the Catholic faith. There were also troll-like figures on the altar. An anthropologist who had testified earlier in the week had said the odd candles and figures were known to be witchcraft 
or black magic. Rubio was convinced he was the chosen one, the one who was supposed to continue his grandmother's witchcraft. He had also told his court-appointed psychiatrist the reason he had nailed the back door shut before he committed the murders was to keep the demons out. Consistently, though, his confession and trial, he said that he felt that the children were possessed, possessed by the demon, which was brought on by his grandmother. Although Angela Camacho stuck by Rubio's story, she hinted that it might not have really happened because, or it might have really happened because they had no money and no place to turn. Rubio always said that he wanted to be given the death penalty to rid him of his demons. On November 24, 2003, he was found guilty and given the death penalty. Sometime after he had spent some time on death row, he changed his mind about his death sentence and decided to appeal. His appeal was overturned in 2007, and he was resentenced on July 10, 2010. He is still sitting on death row and appealing his conviction. Marie Angela Camacho decided to take a plea bargain instead of facing a trial. She received three concurrent life sentences and will be eligible for parole in 2043. She was afraid, because she was an illegal alien, that she would be deported back to Matamoros, Mexico and she would rather spend her life in prison than to go back to Mexico. The family wanted to make it clear that abuse must be reported. If you suspect something, report it. Children need protection. On March 11, 2013, the Cameron County District Attorney's Office held a memorial service in front of the vacant apartment complex where the murders occurred. District Attorney Louis V. Sainz, how do you say that, Sainz, he said, we want our community to remember the three angels, Julissa Quazada, Mary Jane Rubio, and John Estefan Rubio. Juan, who lost their lives before they could even enjoy what it is to be innocent children. He said, we don't want our community to remember these two monsters, and they don't deserve the attention they received. He concluded by saying, join us as we remember the Trace Angelis. Let this be a stark reminder that we as a community absolutely must be a voice for those children who are defenseless to abuse and neglect. Well, guys, I told you that was one of the worst stories I'd written. Also, the reason that I kind of quit what I was doing there for a while. I don't want to say I hope you enjoyed it, but um, I hope it was interesting to you and um, we will see you next month for another story from my brand new book how did they die murders during the holidays in texas thanks for listening bye